I'm your host, Kara Stein Conaway, and this is the Business Mamas Podcast. The Business Mamas Podcast is made for women who know they should be doing more self care and practicing more self love, but are overrun with balancing it all. This podcast provides the tools and support you need so you can have a successful career while also being a present and loving mom. Thanks so much for tuning in. On September 9th, 2019, my grandpa Saul, one of the kindest human beings that I have ever known, took his last breaths. In the 95 years that he was alive, he lived in a state of joy, of gratitude, and of giving and receiving love. In spending time grieving my grandfather and processing about what he meant to me and the life lessons that he taught me, I ended up developing a new self-kindness practice that I wanted to share with you. The structure of this episode is that I will read to you an article that I wrote about my grandfather that was published in the May-June 2020 edition of the San Luis Obispo Bar Bulletin. Then after I read you the article, I'll share with you some additional insights that I've had since writing the article. I hope you enjoy the episode. I'll start by sharing a beautiful quote from Brene Brown. Love and belonging are essential to the human experience. As I conducted my interviews, I realized that only one thing separated the men and the women who felt a deep sense of love and belonging from the people who seemed to be struggling for it. That one thing is the belief in their worthiness. It's as simple as and complicated as this. If we want to fully experience love and belonging, we must believe that we are worthy of love and belonging. Now I'll transition into my article, which is titled, An Intimate Experience with End of Life, Learning to Cultivate the Worthiness We Seek in Our Lives Now and Want to Experience in Our Final Days. On September 9th, 2019, as my sister and I sat with our 95-year-old grandfather, Solomon Stein, the chaplain came to visit him. The night before, my grandfather had drifted into what appeared to be a restful sleep, and he remained so as the chaplain spoke to me and my sister. The chaplain told us that when he had spoken to my grandfather the week before, He had never seen anyone more at peace at the end of their life than my grandfather. My grandfather had no regrets. He was complete, and he knew he was so very loved. After more than 60 years of adventures, love, marriage, and partnership with my grandfather, my grandmother, Rosanna Stein, passed away on November 23rd, 2012. At the time of her death, both she and my grandfather were 89 years old. Within months of my grandmother's death, I had moved back to my hometown of San Luis Obispo with my husband and our infant son. 
For the last six years of my grandfather's life, and since he lost my grandmother, I spent nearly every weekend visiting with him. Being in his presence was a gift. My grandfather was a wonderful storyteller. He was a patient listener, and he was also someone with whom I could just sit. I could hold his hand. I could snuggle up next to him and just be held. I can't ever remember seeing him rush. He was always so very present with me. When I read Brene Brown's quote above, it immediately reminded me of my grandfather. If we want to fully experience love and belonging, we must believe that we are worthy of love and belonging. I think that one of the keys to my grandfather's joy-filled life is captured by this quote and illustrated by a story that my grandfather told me. When my grandfather was in junior high school, growing up in Brooklyn, New York, his mother would often hand him a quarter, which he said was a lot of money back then, and tell him to treat himself to a three-course meal at his favorite Chinese restaurant after school. From the way his eyes would shine and the way he smiled when he told this story, it was clear to me that although he remembered the experience of eating at this restaurant, what he was truly savoring was feeling treasured by his mother. I believe that he carried that feeling of being treasured and loved with him throughout the rest of his life. He also learned to treasure and love himself. Because he felt worthy of love and belonging, he was able to fully experience love, both in giving it and receiving it. On September 9th, 2019, my grandpa Saul, one of the kindest human beings that I have ever known, took his last breaths. In the 95 years that he was alive, he lived in a state of joy, of gratitude, and of giving and receiving love. He focused his energy on the beauty he saw before him, and it inspired us all to do the same through his example. The loss of his life is one of the deepest losses I have ever experienced. Even though he lived to 95, no amount of time with him could have felt like enough. I wish the rest of our days could be filled with just being around him, not being able to stop by for a hello, some hugs and kisses, and listening to his stories is a new reality that I'm still not ready to accept. Although I shed many tears in the days leading up to his death, and the days following his death, I am also letting myself feel the immense joy that was sharing this one precious life with him and knowing that he lives on in me when I share his wisdom with others. My grandfather knew his worthiness. He knew it even as a young boy. If he ever forgot it during the many years of his life, he certainly knew it as an old man. His worthiness was not conditioned upon anything, not on how much he weighed, how much money he had, or even what others thought of him. 
he knew he was worthy of love. And in knowing that he was worthy, he fully received and took in all of the love that we poured into him during his life and during the days leading up to his death. Death and dying are not commonly discussed in our society. I think, in part, that's because we fear death. I think what we really fear about death is not the non-existence. I think it's the fear that we will leave this world without cultivating the love and belonging in our lives that we so desire. So to cultivate the love and belonging we seek both in our lives now and that we want to experience in the final days leading up to our deaths, we need to claim our worthiness right now. And when it feels like it's slipping away, we need to reclaim it. How do we claim or reclaim our worthiness? What actions can we take? One way we can claim or reclaim our worthiness is by practicing self-compassion. Brene Brown, in The Gifts of Imperfection, credits self-compassion researcher Kristen Neff with explaining that there are three elements of self-compassion, self-kindness, common humanity, and mindfulness. Brene Brown's abbreviated definitions of those elements follow. Self-kindness, being warm and understanding towards ourselves when we suffer, fail, or feel inadequate, rather than ignoring our pain or flagellating ourselves with self-criticism. Common humanity. Common humanity recognizes that suffering and feeling of personal inadequacy are part of the shared human experience, something we all go through rather than something that happens to me alone. Mindfulness. Taking a balanced approach to negative emotions so that feelings are neither suppressed nor exaggerated. We cannot ignore our pain and feel compassion for it at the same time. Mindfulness requires that we not over-identify with thoughts and feelings so that we are caught up and swept away by negativity. In the spirit of my grandfather, I will continue to practice claiming my own worthiness, and I hope you will too. For me, of the three elements of self-compassion, practicing self-kindness is the one that I find most challenging and that I'm going to commit to practicing more often. One way in which I will practice self-kindness is to allow myself to feel into negative emotions. I recently worried about how the unknown outcome of a client's case would impact my client's life. I allowed myself to feel into that worry, and by exploring it rather than ignoring it, or trying to distract myself from it, I found that the feeling itself transformed into a feeling of caring and compassion rather than worry. The physical sensation in my chest adjusted from tightness to lightness. The feeling changed in this beautiful way because I practiced self-kindness 
by allowing myself to create the space to actually feel the worry. This felt like a huge breakthrough. As feelings of worry or stress come up for me again, rather than trying to distract myself away from those feelings, I'm going to allow myself to acknowledge and feel those emotions. I'm excited to see where this new practice can take me. Which most challenges you? Out of the three elements of self-compassion, self-kindness, common humanity, and mindfulness, which one is the most challenging for you to practice? What can you do to practice it? How can you use self-kindness, common humanity, or mindfulness to help you claim your worthiness, like we learned from my grandpa Saul? Who can you ask to keep you accountable for practicing self-kindness, common humanity, or mindfulness? If practicing self-kindness is your goal, then how can you remind yourself to treat yourself kindly? If practicing common humanity is your goal, then how can you remind yourself that you're not alone in your experiences? If practicing mindfulness is your goal, then how can you incorporate a mindfulness routine into your day and what might that look like? Who else in your life do you think could benefit from learning more self-compassion? In what ways can you model for others what it means to treat yourself with compassion? In this new decade and in the spirit of my grandfather, I hope that by sharing this reflection and my new self-kindness practice, you will have some inspiration for how you can start integrating a self-compassion practice into your routine. You might be surprised by how much it changes your perspective and your quality of life. And I'm going to close this article out with a quote from Christopher K. Gerber. A moment of self-compassion can change your entire day. A string of such moments can change the course of your life. Now I want to share with you some additional insights and ideas that I've had since I wrote this article that I hope will be helpful for you as you embark on this journey. In the article, I talked about how I was practicing self-kindness by allowing myself to feel my emotions instead of trying to distract myself from my emotions And the one that I talked about previously is an emotion that does come up for me in my work, which is worry. It's worry for other people. And for me, it's worry for the clients that I am representing. And I am continuing to practice self-kindness by allowing myself to be with those emotions of worry. And I have noticed that by just giving myself the space to feel that I continue to experience having that feeling of worry transform into a feeling of peace and compassion. And I'm filled with a gratitude that I know that I care about my clients and that I always am going to do my best work for them. And then the feeling of worry subsides. It lessens, it transitions into this beautiful feeling of compassion. 
And then sometimes it comes up again and I get to go through the practice all over again. But it's been a really beautiful learning experience for me to practice self-kindness in that way by making space for, for my emotions in a way that I had never really made space for them before. I'll talk a little bit about common humanity. Common humanity recognizes that suffering and feeling of personal inadequacy are part of the shared human experience, something we all go through rather than something that is happening to me alone. One of the ways that I have been practicing common humanity is by setting aside time for meaningful connections with people that I really care about and really trust. For me, the most consistent place where I get to have this experience is in my mastermind group. This is a mastermind group that I formed, and we currently have four of us, all women business owners in my community in San Luis Obispo. And we get together twice a month for an hour and a half each time. And we create space to be there for each other. We are there for each other in our personal lives and also in our business lives. And it's just a place where we know we can come to be seen, to be supported, to be encouraged if we need it. And we've really created such a sacred space that is so nice to know that I have there for me and to know that I'm getting to create that space for the other women that are in my mastermind group is also really special. Since March, we've been meeting by Zoom instead of meeting in person the way that we were doing before COVID-19. But even in a virtual space, there is still a meaningful opportunity for creating common humanity and realizing that we have so many shared human experiences and that life is better when we share it with other people. Another element of self-compassion is mindfulness. Taking a balanced approach to negative emotions so that feelings are neither suppressed nor exaggerated. We cannot ignore our pain and feel compassion for it at the same time. Mindfulness requires that we not over-identify with thoughts and feelings so that we are caught up and swept away by negativity. So although when I was speaking about my worry, I fit it into the self-kindness category here, I think that it probably equally fits into the mindfulness category. One of the easiest ways that you can practice mindfulness as a form of self-compassion is by meditating. And there are so many great resources for meditating. I can share a few, a few ideas with you. And I know that there's many, many more resources out there. There are a bunch of apps that you can get on your phone that can lead you through a guided meditation. A couple that come to mind are Insight Timer and Headspace. 
I know that the Beach Body On Demand that I subscribe to for my workouts also has some meditation programs that are really great. I just finished the Unstress series on there and very much enjoyed that. So if you're ready to get started right now on practicing more self-compassion, I would say that a couple of things that you can do right away is number one, start being more aware of your thoughts. And when you have thoughts coming into your mind that are unkind to you, just start being aware of them. Because once you are aware of them, then you can choose to stop them and choose to think something different, something that's more loving to yourself. Another easy way that you can practice self-compassion is by starting to meditate. And it doesn't need to be a huge commitment. There are meditations that are literally three minutes long or even shorter. And if you're pressed for time and you're working on trying to make a new habit, I always think that it's best to start small, start with something that you know you can accomplish so that you can build up that credibility with yourself and feel a sense of pride and accomplishment that you stuck to your commitment. So just start meditating for three minutes a day and see how you feel. I think that if you do three minutes a day consistently for a couple of weeks, you'll probably find that you'd love to do a little bit more. That's how I felt when I first started meditating and I extended the amount of time that I'm currently meditating to be 10 minutes a day instead of three minutes or five minutes like I was doing more consistently before. Remember that you are worthy. Your worthiness is not conditioned upon anything. It's not conditioned upon how much you weigh. It's not conditioned upon how much money you make. It's not conditioned upon what anybody thinks of you. You are completely worthy of love. And I would encourage you to dedicate more of your time in supporting yourself to know that you are worthy and to remind yourself daily that you are worthy of love. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you shared it with someone you think could benefit from hearing it. Until next time, and with gratitude, Kara Stein-Conaway.